0: Well hello, good morning RCC, it's so good to see all of you here, and I know there's people meeting all over the state of Florida as a part of RCC, so it's good to have uh, everyone here no matter where you're you're joining us from. Uh, If we've never met before, my name is Gavin, and um, I'm like a, I don't know, RCC is like a part of a BFF for me, so it's kind of fun to... To be back here i get to come every few months and paul is so gracious to invite me to come down and i'm really excited to be here in the middle of this conversation we're calling uh, now what and the reason i love the the idea is because me included we have all faced our fair share of kind of now what moments sometimes They're just kind of small, insignificant, and sometimes they're really, really big and and daunting now-what moments. And I I don't know what your life has looked like over the last several weeks or months or maybe even years, but my guess is that you know vividly what it feels like to be in one of those kind of now-what moments. You may be in one right now. Um, I know for me personally, whenever I am kind of facing a now-what moment, I tend to come back to this one word that I love to embrace, whether it's a now what moment or in any kind of moment. It's one of my favorite words. And the reason it's one of my favorite words is because it just feels possible. It feels achievable. Like no matter how daunting the you know, life is ahead of me, this one word, it just gives me a little bit of hope, a, a little bit of purpose. And you're gonna, I'm building this word up. It's not as good as you think it's gonna be. The, the word is better. I, I just love the word better. You know why I like better? Because better is better than not being better. Like think about it for a minute. Like, like it, better is better than being worse. Better is better than not being anything else. It's, it's better. Like it just feels like it, it's possible. Like think about how many areas of life better would be better. Like, like maybe this is kind of a now what moment for you. Like maybe it's a, a physical thing for you. Like you, you decided to get in shape and you bought a scale and you stood on it and you looked down and it just said no. And You were like, oh my, it should say numbers. Like, I should be better, you know? Or, or maybe you went to the doctor and you had a physical, you know, they did the blood work and all that stuff, and you, got, you go back a week later, have you ever done this, and you get the results, and you know, the doctor's like reading all this stuff, and it makes no sense, you know? But you, your results, they was like, iron is good, there's bacon in your blood, and you're like, bacon? Like, Is that supposed to be in there? And he's like, no, not supposed to have bacon in your blood. So you need to be a little bit better. You know, there's something about your physical self that that could be better. Or maybe for you, it's kind of like financially better. Like maybe there's something in your life that's just upside down financially. And the thought of, you know, being financially better is so appealing because of the pressure that you're living under. Or maybe like relationally, that's it for you. Like maybe there's a dating thing happening or a friendship thing happening or a marriage thing happening that just relationally, it just isn't going great. It's not going as good as you would like for it to go. And the thought of it being better feels possible. Like the thought of it being a, maybe not drastically better, not, not 180 degrees better, but just like one degree, like a little bit better, seems like progress. Or maybe it's a career thing, like a vocational thing, or maybe, maybe it's even a spiritual thing for you. Like the idea of being better spiritually is really appealing. And the thing I like about better, and I kind of hearkened to it a minute ago, is that when we face these kind of now what moments, oftentimes we're so overwhelmed by what needs to happen. I mean, it is like the doctor's appointment when they go in. And you go, you yeah, know, you really should lose 50 pounds. You're like 50 pounds. Like, can I like not eat one donut without help? You know, and it's like, no, 50 pounds, man. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's overwhelming, right? Or, or maybe there's that relational thing, and it's been going bad for so long that the idea of fixing it feels so daunting. That, that's why I like better, because better isn't really that daunting. Like, better is just one degree better, not 180 degrees, it's just a little bit better. Like, if you were just 1% better today than yesterday, that would be better. If you could just be 1% better tomorrow than you are today, it's not dramatic, maybe, but it's, it's better, and it's at least directionally better. And that's the thing I think we love about better. Because when we think about better, here's what I think, and maybe you do too, that, that better is just possible. Like better actually feels possible. Now, we should kind of admit the, the obvious about that. For some of us, maybe a lot of us. I mean we're 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 smart, right? This isn't our, our first rodeo. We weren't born yesterday. We've we've tried to be better before, we've made the New Year's resolutions, we've made promises, we bought the gym clothes and never went to the place. I mean, like. We've tried, we've tried better before. And here's kind of what we all intuitively know. Even though we want better to be possible and we kind of believe that it's potentially possible, here's what we know. We, we know that making better possible is way harder than just hoping it's possible. Like actually turning better into reality is way more different than just hoping that it's possible. In fact, some of you, some of you, maybe a lot of us, I'm, I'm tempted to do this. In my experiences with better, I'm tempted to think better isn't really possible. In fact, for me, better actually feels kind of impossible because I've tried to be better. Like I've been committed to better. I bought the spandex, like I got the bike, I, I got the gear, right? I got the shoes, I got the athletic stuff, I got the membership, like I got the scale, I got the organic chicken and the greens and the stuff that's gross, like I got all that. And, and the problem isn't commitment, right? Like, like when we step on the scale and it says something we don't like or we get the bad report or when we get the bank statement, I mean, there's something in us that goes, man, we got to be better. Like We need to fix this. We need to be better. And we're committed, right? Like commitment, that is not our problem. In fact, commitment is what really kind of gets us there. Commitment gets us started. Commitment is kind of like a starting line for the race. And we're all really good at that part. Like we're all good at getting to the starting point of the race, but commitment alone just isn't enough. If it was, we'd all be in incredible shape. If it was, we would all be incredibly connected relationally, like vocationally, spiritually, everything would be better for us if it was all about commitment, because we're all good at committing to change. The problem is, is that commitment just gets us there. It's really, in other words, the word consistency consistency is what keeps us going see commitment is what kind of starts the race but it's consistency that keeps the race going it's what gets us to the finish line of the race let me let me kind of illustrate it this way for you if you were to think about your life like this is actually 365 marbles so maybe it's like one day a year for you or you know it's one moment of a a day for you And, and this empty jar is kind of what your life of opportunity looks like. Here's what we know. Like what we wanna do is say, oh, I need to lose 50 pounds. Let's do that tomorrow and pour all the marbles in here. But we know that isn't how life works, right? Nothing in our life works that way. And so it's really consistency that makes the difference. Commitment says, I want to move marbles from here to opportunity but it's consistency one marble at a time that actually makes the difference. Now, it's hard to do this, right? Because in the beginning, we don't really feel like we're making much progress. I mean, right? Like we ate the organic chicken salad last night and we woke up and we were like, how did I not lose 38 pounds? Like I ate the chicken, I ate the salad, right? Like I made one good decision financially, how is it that things aren't turned around yet, right? like that's how we think we want to microwave better but you can't really microwave better it's a crock pot game right it's like a slow churn it's like making ribs or making real good brisket right it takes time and it takes individual moments of investment in fact we could call this the consistency effect of change it really is the consistency of our commitment that leads to change now as I look around the room, and maybe this is different in other churches, but none of you are writing that down, right? <laughs> and you know why you're not writing it down? Because we know this is true. Like this is not brain surgery. This isn't rocket science. Uh, any of you rocket scientists, we pick those out as like the big things. If you are, you're way smarter, I guess. So like, like this isn't like new information. Like we know this is true. Like we know that if we really want to be better, we have to consistently make small deposits of change. And over time, they begin to add up to kind of sustained change. Like we know that's true. We know that the consistency effect of change is what really leads to better. So here's the question I want us to to deal with today. Why is it, why is it that we consistently fail at being consistent? Like why do we consistently fail at being consistent? Like we know that for our life to move to a better place, consistency is what will lead to where we want to be. So why is it that we fail so much at being consistent? I'd like to propose that the reason is because we are always operating out of a place of weakness. Like, think about this for a minute. When, when you have an area of your life that you would like to make better, I mean, physical, financial, relational, spiritual, whatever it is, the reason that you probably want to make it better is because it's worse right now. Like the reason you wanna make it better is because there's a failure in it right now. There's something about it that's maybe we could say is a weakness. And so when we're operating out of these kind of places of weakness, we almost in a way are set up to fail at being consistent. I mean, like for instance, I have never once failed at being better at eating cinnamon rolls, like never. Like, I am so gifted at cinnamon roll eating. Like, it's like a real strength, like a spiritual gift of mine. Like, I have never thought, like, I just want to be better at eating cinnamon rolls. Like, I want to be, this is really hard work, but I'm going to be consistent. Like, I've never struggled with that. I am consistently fantastic at eating baked items. I'm really good at it, right? But... But I have had moments in life where I thought, you know what? I'm going to stop eating donuts for a while. I'm going to stop eating bread. I'm going to get off gluten. I'm going to do all that stuff. And it was such a struggle and I made it for like an hour, right? And then at the end of the hour, I'm like, this is ridiculous, right? And I can't move the marble over anymore. I'm like, just give me a donut instead of a marble, right? And so, and the reason, the reason is because it's an area of weakness. I mean, think about this. Our tendency is to always overcome weaknesses, but they call them weaknesses for a reason. Like our tendency is to make areas of our life that are weak stronger, weak better, but, but it's a weakness. It's already hard enough. So the thought of making it better actually is kind of difficult because after all, it's, it's a weakness. Now, you, you may not know this, but, but God actually cares about that. And he, he wants to help us in these areas of weakness where we think things can be better because God as our heavenly father looks at you and looks at me, looks at our life. And he says, well, things could be better and I wanna help you. I wanna help it be better. Sometimes we're tempted to think of God as this kind of distant thing that's not even really paying attention or maybe he's just paying attention to the real important things. But but God actually is paying deep attention to you because he knows your name. He, He created you. Like he he cares about you deeply. In fact, anything that you care about, God cares about. For, for those of you who have kids, I mean, yeah, I, I've got four kids and I'm not a very perfect father. I'm a very imperfect father. But even when my kids were real little and they cared about kind of silly things, as a dad, you know what I did? I, I cared about them too. Because if your kid cares about it, you care about it. How much more would our perfect heavenly father care about the things that we care about? So when it comes to these areas of our life that are, that are weaknesses, that we want to make better, God actually cares and he wants to participate in the better with you. The, the, the Apostle Paul actually wrote about this. In one of the letters that he wrote, he addressed this idea very directly. And the reason he addressed it is because he had an area in his life that he wanted to make better. And so he prayed to God multiple times and he asked God to intervene. And the, and the kind of conversation that, that he and God had during this, please make it better in this moment of weakness, in this now what's, you know, space for, for me, is so telling about who God is, but also gives us a, a kind of like a secret plan to move forward in our areas of weakness. So here's kind of what the Apostle Paul says. He kind of sets up the issue um, this way. He says, So to keep me from becoming proud, which Paul could have easily been really proud, he's super type A driven kind of guy, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, which sounds like worse than cinnamon roll eating, this is like a big deal, right? To torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Now, some of you didn't know this was in the Bible. Like you've used the phrase like thorn in my side or thorn in my flesh. Maybe you're talking about your wife or something. You should never do that. Okay. But you didn't know this, but you were quoting the Bible the whole time, right? Like my boss is a thorn in my flesh, you know, way to go. You're like a Bible student now. So, so that, that came from Paul. And, and when, when Paul wrote about that, and we, don't, we don't know what he was talking about specifically. Like it was not an actual thorn in his flesh, right? It was like a eye thing or a headache thing or a seizure thing. Theologians have guessed, but nobody really knows. It was something though that was kind of physical and that when he would show up, sometimes it would manifest or be present and people would see it. And so he's kind of like, he's, he's done with this thing. Like it's just tormenting him and he wants it to be, here's our word, better. He wants it to be better. So he continues, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. So, so probably more than that, but three specific times he remembers kind of being on his knees, being on his face, begging God to take away this issue, to make this weakness better. Now, what do you think God said to, to Paul? Right? what do you think he said to Paul? So, so he said, Paul, just try harder and stop giving up. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that, right? But... But that's what we wanna think, right? Because isn't this how we act in our area of weakness? Like we are committed to being better and then we fail at being better and we feel so guilty even though we're set up to fail because it's in an area of weakness to begin with. And we think to ourselves, well, I'm gonna pray that God will help me try harder. I'm gonna pray that God will make me not give up, that he'll make me more committed. And and God just looks at those prayers and he goes, thanks for talking with me, but but honestly, that ain't what you need. Like that isn't really gonna help you long-term. So when Paul reaches out to God and he says, God, I've got this thing in my weakness area, this weakness area, I've got this thing happening in my life, I need you to remove it, I want you to deal with it, I want you to make it better. This is a big now what moment for you. Can you please make it better? God responds. And he doesn't say try harder and don't give up. God responds, and he says, my grace is all that you need. And check this out. He says, my power works best in weakness. This is so deep and so incredible. I mean, think about this for a minute. When, when, when God says, my grace is all that you need, do you know what grace is? Grace is kind of undeserved or unmerited favor. Grace is the thing that God gives you, even though you can not earn it and even though you don't deserve it, like his love, like his forgiveness, his relationship with you. And and so God looks at Paul and he says, my grace, my favor towards you, even though you don't earn it and you can't deserve it, I'm giving it to you for free. I'm gonna invade your life and the weaknesses and I'm gonna help make them stronger. Even though you don't deserve me to do that, I'm going to because I love you. And then he talks about his power we, we read these verses sometimes, we kind of glance over that, we're like, okay, yeah, God's powerful, yeah, he made beetles and all that. I mean, listen, when you think about the power of God, I mean, we're not talking about, like, the power to create something kind of interesting. I mean, we're talking about the power, I mean, look, the power that spoke light into existence, the, the power that separated dark and light and made day and night. The power that did create about 1 million versions of Beatles and the power that created you, the power that created me, the power that allowed your body to break and heal again. Have you ever thought about the mysteries of the way things work? If you have children, I mean, the fact that those things can even exist the way they do, it's unbelievable, the power of God. It's the power that raised Lazarus, who had been dead for several days. We read in the Bible that he had been dead so long and buried that he stinketh at this point, and then he rose him from the dead, right? Like, this is the power of God. It's the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, spoiler alert, on Easter, three days after he died, right? So this isn't like like he's powerful, like he can bench press 400 pounds. Like, this is power beyond anything we can imagine. And, And God looks at Paul, and he looks at you, and he looks at me, and he says, my grace is all you really need in your weakness. My power, that kind of power, the power that raises people from the dead, that kind of power is actually gonna be made perfect and shows itself best in your area of weakness. So, if that's true, and if God is possible, if God is possible, it means better is possible. If God is possible, better for you is actually possible. In fact, Paul began to get so excited about weaknesses that he started even looking forward to having thorns in his flesh. Look at kind of how he wraps up the idea. He says, so now I am glad. What, Paul? You're glad to be weak? He's like, oh man, I'm so glad that I've got these things in my life. I'm so glad I'm facing a now what moment. I'm so glad to boast about my weaknesses. That means to be proud about things that you shouldn't be proud about so that the power of Christ can work through me. Like I'm so glad to have these moments of weakness (coughs) so that I can experience the power of Jesus, the power of my heavenly father. That's why he continues, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then then I am strong. And to hear this from Paul, that's so significant. Because I know that we've all faced some now what moments, and you may be facing one right now that feels really significant. And not to downplay it, because it is significant. But when you compare it to Paul, it might not be quite as bad as we think. I mean, everywhere Paul went, he wasn't just insulted. That was the least of his problems. I mean, he was facing hardships that we can't even believe. He was persecuted everywhere he went. In fact, most of the letters that he wrote, he wrote while being in chains, imprisoned for spreading the news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so to to think about what he is facing the now what moments of his life, the things that are causing him to feel weak, he actually loved. He looked forward to bad reports. He looked forward to sicknesses. He looked forward to being imprisoned. He looked forward to loss. It seems so weird, but he loved it. In fact, the, the, the brother of Jesus, James, he, he writes this in the very first beginning of his kind of letter in our New Testament. He says that we should consider it joy when we face trials of any kind, to which we want to think, what? And he's saying the same thing that Paul is saying. And here's Paul's point, is that, that when you face trials, you get to experience God in fresh new ways. And if the most important thing in your life is your relationship with Jesus, we can look forward to areas of weakness. Because when we face an area of weakness, we position ourselves to experience God in the most dynamic ways. Because God's power is actually more present when we're weak than when we're living out of our own strength. You know what that means, right? It means that instead of consistently trying to kind of overcome our weaknesses and our own strength, instead of consistently trying to do that, we have a much better opportunity. We actually have an opportunity to consistently rely on the power of God in our weakness. So instead of like consistently working on changing, instead of relying on this consistency effect of change, instead we have something way better to lean into. As a Jesus follower, we can lean into the consistency effect of faith. Like we can lean into our heavenly father in these areas of weakness. Maybe we could say it this way, like rather, rather than consistently working harder on your weaknesses, instead, we can consistently give our weaknesses to God so that his power can be made perfect in our life. That that was the Apostle Paul's entire point. Instead of consistently working harder to move your life to a better place, knowing that you don't have the strength to do it, instead of doing that, you can consistently take the things in your life that you want to be better and open your hand to your heavenly father and allow him to begin to move the marbles for you. Allow him to begin to make your life better. Allow him to be able to change the things in your life that you're struggling so hard to change. And pretty soon the marbles just start moving over by themselves. And sometimes they get going really fast because when you put God in charge of the marble moving, things get really good really quick because you're not strong enough to do it anyway. And don't you know that already? Because you've all tried. I have. I've tried to move the marbles of my life by myself and I'm really good for like a day. I'm really good for like a week. I'm really committed for a moment. But because it's an area of weakness, eventually I just get tired and I just can't do it anymore. But when we feel that, that's when we're positioned to experience Jesus the most because he would love nothing more than for you to open your hand and say, I can't, but I believe that you can. And so I'm gonna let you step in. Now, it's a little theoretical. Um, if we could, for the next few minutes, just make it as deeply practical as we can. Be- because in this little you know, letter that Paul, that Paul writes, he actually gives us, it's not like a formula, but he gives us kind of three specific steps that if we can follow, it's almost like the secret sauce to opening our hands and giving God these marbles of what could be better in our life. In fact, the first thing that Paul tells us to do is that we should boast, we, we should admit that we have weaknesses, And you would think this would be easy for us because we're already trying to make something better, which means there is an area of weakness, but isn't it hard to admit that? Isn't it hard to be vulnerable and be honest with ourselves, honest with God, and just admit that we have weaknesses? Instead of admitting that we have weaknesses, we just wanna buckle up, right? We wanna commit more, but that isn't how this works. Committing more in your own strength isn't gonna move your life to a better place, it's just not. But but admitting that you have weaknesses, admitting to God as if he already doesn't know, and maybe admitting to the people around you, that's actually where the process begins. So, So Paul says that we should boast in our weaknesses, that we should admit that we need help, admit that we need God to intervene. And once we begin to acknowledge that we can't move the marbles of our life on our own, that we need God's help, once we can acknowledge that, we have positioned our heart and our life for God's grace and power to be super present. In fact, that's kind of what we get to do next. Like once we boast and our, admit our weaknesses, then we get to position our heart, our life to experience this unmerited favor, this power, this grace, and we can ask for help and you legitimately can ask for help in any area of life for which you think you need help because God cares about those areas. He genuinely cares about you. He wants your life to move to a better place. He wants you to experience a better life here on earth. In fact, God's plan for you is not like 80 years of misery and then you get to go to heaven and things are great. That's not his hope. Like his hope is for you to experience a version of heaven on earth. Like he doesn't want peace and purpose and all that to only happen in the other side of eternity. I mean, eternity is happening right now. We're living in eternity right this minute. And when we begin to admit our weaknesses and ask for help, God goes, oh my gosh, yes, I would love to help you. You're you're my child after all. Like I want to step in. I want to be a part of helping your life be better. And then the last thing we get to do, Paul says is, accepted. We get to actually watch God show off. We get to watch God start changing our life one marble at a time. And we get to do it daily though. And that may be the most important part of this. Because I think sometimes we we begin to lean into God when things are really bad, right? Like, even if you're not a Jesus person, like, you've prayed before, and the prayer was something like, you know, God, I don't even know if you're real, but if you are, I could really use your help right now, right? I mean, we, we, we all kind of lean into God at some point, even if we're not sure he's real. But what would it look like to do that, like, on the daily? You know, we, we know that God's mercies are made new every morning. Like, what would it look like every day to start our day, admitting that we're weak? asking God for help, and then every day receiving his help. That's what the apostle Paul actually did. And he did it every day. In fact, the reason that we know about the apostle Paul is because of that. Because the enemy was trying to squash him as fast as he could. The enemy didn't want Paul to be Paul. He wanted him to just be a normal guy, a tent maker who told a few people about Jesus, but nobody believed him. But because Paul was able to lean into his heavenly father, boast about his weaknesses, accept and ask for that grace and accept God's strength every day, he actually changed the world. His life didn't just move to a better place. All of our lives moved to a better place because he wasn't trying to move marbles on his own. Now, just to kind of wrap up, I mean, maybe there's another way to do this. Like maybe we could just be more committed, maybe we could quit giving up, like maybe we could be stronger, but I mean, come on, right? We, we've tried that. And if I could just maybe, I don't know, sarcastically ask you, how, how's that working out for you? Like, how's it going? Like, like, do you feel good about everything? Is everything working perfectly? Have you got everything under control? And even if you think you do, you're kind of lying to yourself, right? Because we're just one moment away from everything being out of control. I mean, we're all just one decision away, one traumatic event away, one medical report away from facing that now what moment. But when that happens, what what are you going to do? Who who are we going to turn to? We could turn to our own strength and we could buckle down and try harder, but I don't know. I I tend to think that isn't going to work. Maybe I think that because I've tried it and it just doesn't work long term. So here's the reality. Better is actually possible, but only when God's power is made perfect in your weakness. Like better is actually possible for you, but only when we can rely on God's power in the midst of our weakness. So on your way out today, we're actually going to give you a marble and um, here's the hope is that you'll take this marble and maybe put it in your pocket or put it in your car, put it at home somewhere that you can just see it. And and my hope is, our hope is that every time you see this marble, it will remind you that God really cares. Maybe it'll remind you that you're weak and that's okay. Maybe it'll remind you that God's grace is made available for you. Maybe it'll remind you that his strength, his power can be received and accepted every single day. Maybe it'll be a reminder of something that you're going through right now where you need to open your hand and allow God to step in and take control. Or, or maybe everything's fine right now, but maybe next week or next month or maybe even next year when that moment happens and things feel like they're falling apart and things feel really weak, this marble can remind you that God's there and that he is paying attention and he absolutely wants the best for you. He wants better for you. He just knows you can't do it by yourself. So on your way out, we'd love for you to grab one of these and um, hopefully, maybe that'll help you move to a better place. So before we leave, can we just pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for stories like Paul and thank you that you didn't just remove the thing from him and say, you know, go on, you're fine. That instead you, you allowed him to live with weaknesses so that we could understand that that's okay. That, that being weak isn't our problem, it's trying to rely on our own strength, that's our problem. So God, for whatever this means for us individually, God, and you know exactly what this means for every single one of us. You know exactly what this means. God, I pray that you will just give us the wisdom to know as well. And maybe more importantly, give us the courage to open our hand to you and give us the, the opportunity to admit the areas where we're weak, where we need you, to experience your grace and experience your power that's made perfect in our weakness. And then every day wake up knowing that that kind of thing, that power that you are available and willing because you love us to intervene every single moment of every single day as long as we can just keep our hands open to you. So God, I just pray that you allow us to do that and experience better in our life. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for having me today at RCC and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much.